Lesson number 73, Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayah number 51 to 66. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, O you who have believed, la tattakhidu al-yahuda, do not take the yahud, wal-nasara, and the Christians, awliya, as close friends. The address is general, meaning all the believers are being instructed over here. What's the instruction? What's the command? That do not take the Jews and the Christians, the people of the book, the non-Muslims, as what? As your awliya. Awliya is the plural of wali. And who is wali? We translate it as friend. But it's not just any friend. Because these days, even if we know someone a little bit, sometimes we say, they're a good friend of mine. So who is wali? Wali is not just any friend. Wali is... From wilaya and wilaya waulamia has many meanings. Of them is love, close friendship, a deep, close relationship with someone, to the point that a person supports someone fully, loves them from their heart, listens to them, obeys them. There is a close relationship between the two, and when a friendship is at that level, then what happens? Both friends they influence one another. They agree with each other. They support each other. Likewise, they spend a lot of time with one another. If one is doing something, the other will also do it with him or her. So this is who a wali is. So Allah says, do not make them your close friends. And also wilaya gives the meaning of protection. So do not take them as your close friends so that you are giving them protection and they are giving you protection. No. There should be some kind of distance and formality between the two of you. It doesn't mean that we are not allowed to mingle with them, we are not allowed to socialize with them, we are not allowed to have any kind of social relations with them, interactions with them. No, that is permissible. We learned earlier that their food is permissible for us to eat and our food is permissible for them to eat. Now what does this mean? That if they invite you, you can go and eat. And if you wish to invite them to your house, you can do that. You don't just invite any person to your house, right? You invite someone whom you know. There is some kind of understanding between the two of you. And likewise, we learned that you may also marry their women. But just because of the relationship that you have, it doesn't mean that you become extremely close with them. Why? Because the reality is that بَعْضُهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءُ بَعْضُ Some of them are close friends of others. Meaning they are very close to one another and in enmity against you especially they become united. That they have differences amongst themselves, the Jews and the Christians. But when it comes time to oppose you, then they will come together. Now this ayah must be understood in the specific context that it was revealed in. We learned that in Arabia, the people, they didn't live independently. At the same time, there was no central government. How were the people connected with each other? It was basically that blood relationships, they formed extended families, and extended families, they formed tribes. And the people would support and defend their tribesmen. 
which meant that if their tribesmen went to war, they went to war with them. If their tribesmen were in danger, they would come for their defense. Whether they agreed with them or didn't agree with them, it didn't matter. But just because they were related, there was blood relationship between the two, this is why they would help and support one another. This is what wilaya is basically. Such a close relationship that causes you to compromise on everything but that relationship. You don't want anything to affect that friendship of yours, that connection of yours with the other. Likewise, the tribes also had alliances, which meant that one tribe would have a close bond of friendship with another tribe, which meant that both were allies of each other. So if one tribe went to war, the other tribe would go to war with them. Even if their enemy was not their own enemy. Okay, meaning their enemy was not theirs. So, but still, what would happen? That if your allies went to war, you would go to war with them. Which is why we see that even the Jews who lived in Medina, they had alliances with some Arabian tribes. And if their Arab alliances, if they went to war with Jewish people, with Jewish people, the Jews would fight against their own cousins. Why? Because their allies went to war with Jewish people. So you understand. Why? Because you fully supported your allies. It didn't matter if they were right or if they were wrong. Just because they are your allies, they have your full support. You will always be with them. And when the Muslims... They migrated to Medina. What happened over there? That the Arabs, they became united in opposition against the Muslims. The various Mushrikeen tribes, they had many enmities amongst themselves. They went to war with each other. Likewise, they didn't really get along that well with the Yahud either. But in enmity against the Muslims, they all came together. And a person can understand the extent of this in the details of the Battle of Ahzab. That how the Jews, as well as the Mushrikeen, not just the Mushrikeen of Makkah, but from all over Arabia, they all came together attacking the Muslims in Medina. So Allah says, بَعْضُهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءُ بَعْضِ Apparently they say that they're with you. Apparently they say that we will support you. But the reality is that when it comes to opposing you, they all become united against you. So such people, you cannot befriend them. You can never consider them to be your best friends. Because the reality is that they are not sincere to you. They are not truly loyal to you. بَعْضُهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءُ مِنْكُمْ And whoever befriends them from you, meaning if there is a Muslim, but he goes and joins them and supports them, even if they are wrong, then فَإِنَّهُ مِنْهُمْ Then indeed he is of them. He becomes one of them. Now we learn that the Yahud of Medina, as you know that in Medina, it wasn't just the Muslims and the Mushrikeen who resided, but there were also some Jewish tribes who lived there. And they were financially very strong. And before the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina, there were alliances between the Jewish tribes and the Arab tribes. You know that the Aus and Khazraj, they had alliances with the Jewish tribes as well. So, when the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina, what happened? A treaty was made in which the Prophet ﷺ was recognized as you can say the political leader. 
And one of the clauses was that if the people of Medina were under attack, then everybody would come together to defend Medina. It didn't matter who the enemy was, we are all going to defend our country. We are all going to defend our city. This was the rule. However, we learned that the Jewish tribes, one after the other, they violated that treaty. That they went against it. Instead of defending the people of Medina, what did they do? They went to Makkah and incited the mushrikeen against the Muslims. So they were inviting trouble for the Muslims. So anyway, when this happened several times, the Prophet ﷺ, he intended to take action against the Jews. Because they had violated the treaty, they had breached their covenant, and they deserved to suffer the consequences. So when the Prophet ﷺ was thinking about that, heading towards the place where the Jewish people resided, there was a man by the name of Abdullah bin Ubay, who was who? A munafiq. And he came and literally held the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, I will not leave you until you leave them. Meaning, I'm not going to let you take any action against the Jews. The Prophet ﷺ said, وَيْحَكَ Woe to you, just leave me. Let me take action against them. He said, no, I'm not going to let you take any action against them. Why? He said, that these people have been my friends. Before Islam, they were my friends. And they were my aid, they were my allies in the past, and I need them in the future as well. Because I am a person who fears a turn of events in the future. I fear that something terrible may happen in the future, that right now Islam seems powerful, But who knows, within five years, maybe somebody comes and kills you. Maybe somebody comes and finishes all these Muslims. And then I'll be left on my own. So I need these Jewish people, my allies, my friends, to support me in the future. So if I let you take action against them now, they will not support me tomorrow. Imagine he's saying this to the Prophet And he was explained that, what are you talking about? But he insisted. He said, no, I am not going to let you take any action against them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here that, O believers, do not take the non-Muslims as your close friends. You should not be relying on them. Who should you be relying on? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the change of events, the turn of events, the future, your safety is in whose hands? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hands. Your victory in the future or your failure in the future, everything is from who? Allah. He is the giver and He is the taker. People are not. You cannot rely upon them. So Allah says, do not take these people as your close friends. Do not rely on them. Do not think that your safety in the future is based on your good relationships with them. No. لا تَتَّخِذُوا الْيَهُودَ وَالنَّصَارَ أَوْلِيَاءُ بَعْضُهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءُ بَعْضُ Because the fact is that they're not sincere to you. Tomorrow if you're in trouble, they're not going to help you. وَمَنْ يَتَوَلَّهُمْ مِنْكُمْ And whoever befriends them from among you, فَإِنَّهُ مِنْهُمْ Then he is of them. What does it mean by this? That he will become like them. And we see that Abdullah bin Ubay and his companions, they didn't leave their friendship with such people. And eventually what happened? They lost their iman. The disease in their heart was never cured. The hypocrisy only grew. And many times we see that in the Qur'an, the attitude of the munafiqeen and the Jews is mentioned together. 
because فَإِنَّهُ مِنْهُمْ He becomes like them. And this is true. Whoever you befriend, whoever person you become really close to, then what happens eventually? You begin to resemble them. Not physically, but in your words, in your thinking, in your actions, you become a lot like them. So Allah says, if you befriend them, then you'll be like them. Meaning you will fight for the same cause that they fight. They fight for worldly reasons, to show their strength. But a believer, he doesn't fight for these reasons. So you will become like them. You will eat like them. You will drink like them. You will live like them. There will be no deen left in you. There will be no religion left in you. So what does it teach us? That such friendship that will affect your deen, that will make you like them, such friendship has to be avoided. Which means that if you are on good terms with some non-Muslims, but this relationship is not making you like them, in the manner that you think, in the manner that you believe, in the manner that you behave, in the manner that you speak, you dress, you shop, that's okay. But as soon as you feel that they are influencing you to the point that there is no deen left in you, then that is a warning sign. Then that kind of friendship has to be avoided. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِي الْقَوْمَ الظَّالِمِينَ Indeed, Allah does not guide the wrongdoing people. The people who do zulm, who say they're Muslim, who say they love Allah, but their loyalties are with someone else. Such people, they do not receive the guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But on the other hand, the person whose heart is full of iman, yaqeen, love of Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides him. Because we see that at this occasion, when Abdullah bin Ubay came and stopped the Prophet ﷺ, he interfered. There was another companion by the name of Ubadah bin Aslamit, who also had close ties with the Jews in the past. He also came and interceded for the Jews, that, O Prophet ﷺ, spare them. They were my good friends, leave them, it's okay. What if in the future we need them? But when he was explained that no, they have violated the treaty, and this is something that's very detrimental to the Muslims, it's something very dangerous in the future, action has to be taken against them, then Ubadah bin Aslamit, he understood. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided him in this situation. But Abdullah bin Ubay, not guided. فَتَرَ الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ So you will see those people in whose hearts is a disease. You will see those people in whose hearts is a disease. What's that disease? The disease of hypocrisy. So people like Abdullah bin Ubay and his companions, Allah says, you will see them يُسَارِعُونَ فِيهِمْ They're hastening in them, rushing in them. In who? The non-Muslims, the Yahud and Nasara. What does it mean? That you will see them rushing into association with them. You will see them being quick in befriending them in pleasing the non-Muslims, in trying to win their love, their loyalty. You will see them very active in trying to befriend the Jews and the Christians. Having you know, active friendship with them, relationship with them, based on love and closeness. Why? Because it doesn't befit a believer that he becomes extremely close to someone who rejects Allah and His Messenger. Because a believer, what do we learn about him? وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبَّ لِلَّهِ Those who believe, they are intense in their love for Allah. Then how can you love someone 
who refuses to believe the one whom you love. Think about it. If there is a person, and for some people it's their own father, who has done injustice to your mother, then what happens? What happens? Can you love that father? Sometimes people find it extremely difficult because they see their father committing injustice against their mother, their own mother. So even though that man is their biological father, still they cannot love him. They cannot respect him. They have to force themselves to show some kind of kindness to them, to show respect to them. Why? Because they have been unfair to your mother. You can never love someone who hates, who opposes, who hurts the one you love. So Allah says, you will see the people in whose hearts is disease. And look at them. They're rushing towards who? Those who reject Allah and His Messenger. يُسَارِعُونَ فِيهِمْ And what's their reasoning? What's their excuse? They say, يَقُولُونَ They say, نَخْشَى We are afraid. أَن تُصِيبَنَا دَائِرَةً That some da'ira may strike us. Da'ira is from the root letters dal wa ra. What does dara yaduru mean? Dara yaduru. Look at my finger. Dara yaduru. What does it mean? To go around, to go in a circle. And da'ira is one that encircles. So they say that we fear that a da'ira will strike us in the future. What do you think this da'ira refers to? One that encircles. A problem, a difficulty a turn of events, a change in the situation of the circumstances that will encircle us, will be encircled with difficulties and problems, failure, defeat, and then we'll be in trouble. So we are afraid that something terrible might strike us in the future. And if we don't have these people as our friends, then what will happen? Who's going to protect us? Who's going to help us at that time? This is why they say that we have to keep good terms with these people. Because نَخْشَ أَن تُصِيبَنَا So in other words, Abdullah bin Ubay, what did he say? That I cannot let any harm reach my Jewish friends because I fear a turn of events. Meaning I'm afraid that if I don't help them today, then tomorrow when I'm in trouble, when the Muslims have lost, when Muhammad wasallam is killed, and there is no strength that the Muslims possess, then at that time I fear that they will not help me because I did not help them today. Allah says, فَعَسَ اللَّهُ So perhaps Allah will أَن يَأْتِيَ بِالْفَتْحِ That He will bring about victory. أَوْ أَمْرٍ مِّنْ عِنْدِهِ Or a command, a matter from Himself. Meaning, why do you rely on these people? On your so-called friends? That tomorrow when you're in difficulty, they will help you. It's quite possible that you see Muslims weak today, that they're being attacked from everywhere today, but tomorrow Allah will bring about victory. Allah can grant victory to the Muslims. Why do you rely on people for strength? Because the reality is that in whose hand, in whose control is everything? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? He is the giver and He is the taker like we discussed earlier. He is the one who changes the situation of people for good or for worse. In a good way or in a bad way. Think about it. The Bani Israel, they were enslaved for decades. But did Allah not rescue them? Did He not send Musa alayhi salam? When Bani Israel were enslaved for so many years, did Allah not rescue them? 
Yes, he did. Allah sent Musa alayhi salam, Harun alayhi salam, the sea was parted, Fir'aun was killed, they saw him. So Allah changed the situation of the Bani Israel. If the Bani Israel said that, no, 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 we have to please Fir'aun, we cannot make him unhappy. Because tomorrow if Allah doesn't send a messenger, what will happen to us? Would they ever get out of their miserable state? Never. Who brought them out of their miserable state? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did. But the people who have weak faith, what do they think? That money will take them out of their difficulty? Certain friends will take them out of difficulty? Certain people will take them out of difficulty? But what happens when you're in difficulty? People disappear. Money is of no use. Citizenship of a country, even that doesn't help at times. Because we look at all these tangible things, right? If I have this, then I'll be fine. If I have this, then I'll be good. But the reality is that all these things are what? They are just means. Who is the true helper? Allah. Who is the one who really takes you out of difficulty? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says, فَعَسَ اللَّهُ أَن يَأْتِيَ بِالْفَتْحِ It's quite possible that Allah will bring victory to the Muslims. And did this not happen? Yes, it did. The conquest of Makkah wasn't too far away. Soon, very, very soon, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was made. And... The Muslims were victorious in the matter of a few years. أَوْ أَمْرٍ مِّنْ عِنْدِهِ Or he will bring about a decision from himself. What decision? Something in the favor of the Muslims. And as a result, what will happen? The hypocrisy of the munafiqeen will be exposed. فَيُصْبِحُوا And when they will see that, oh, we thought that the Muslims would become defeated and now they're victorious then what will happen? Then they will become عَلَى مَا أَصَرُّ فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ نَادِمِينَ They will be over what they concealed in their hearts, نَادِمِينَ Regretful. That why did we think like that about Allah? Why did we think like that about the Messenger? Why did we think like that about the Muslims? You know, it's like if somebody says, you can never do this. I can give you in writing that you can never become a doctor. You can never get this degree. You can never... Go here. You can never do this because you're a loser. They don't have any trust in you. They don't believe in you at all. And then what happens? Allah helps you, fulfills your dreams, and gives you more than you ever imagined. Then what happens? People who discouraged you yesterday, are they not embarrassed? They're embarrassed. So they are sad about or they're regretful about what they kept in their hearts. Likewise, if there is a match... And a person says, oh, this team, they're never going to win. They cannot win at all. Look, they have this player, this player, this player, and they've been doing so poorly, and this is their coach, and so they're not going to make it. But what happens when they make it? Those who ridiculed them yesterday, those who underestimated them yesterday, then they become regretful. That why did we say this? Because it's so embarrassing. So likewise, the munafiqeen repeatedly they showed or they said that the Muslims are not going to be victorious. Even when the Muslims were going to the book, what happened? A companion brought a handful of dates and they said, oh, these people are going to go be victorious over the Romans with a handful of dates. How is that ever possible? How can they ever do that? At the battle of Ahzab, as the Muslims were digging the trench, there was a huge boulder that they were trying to break, they were trying to move or something, but they couldn't do it. So eventually when the Sahaba, they couldn't figure it out, they asked the Prophet ﷺ to come. So he came, 
And he said, Bismillah, and he struck it. And a light sparked out of it. And he was made to see certain things. And again he struck, again he struck. And every time he was made to see certain things. This was all part of revelation. Because just as wahi, the people didn't hear what was conveyed to him. Likewise, the people didn't see what he was made to see. So anyway, he was made to see the future victories. And when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that, the munafiqeen, they were laughing. That look at these people, they can barely defend themselves. And here they are, dreaming of being victorious over the Persians and the Romans. So they repeatedly expressed their doubts in Muslims. That how they doubted them, that they're never going to be successful. Allah says, quite possible that Allah will bring about victory. And what will happen? These same people will be regretful. وَيَقُولُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا And at that time, the believers will say. What will they say? أَهَاؤُلَاءِ Is it these people? Who are they referring to? The munafiqeen. At the time of victory, the believers will say, that isn't it these people who, الَّذِينَ أَقْسَمُوا Those who swore from Qasim, they swore billahi by Allah, jahda aymanihim. Their strongest oaths. Ayman is a plural of yameen. And jahd from jim hadan, to exert your full effort. So, aqsamu billahi jahda aymanihim. They swore their strongest oaths, innahum lamarakum, that they're indeed with you. Isn't it these people who once upon a time they said, that they are with you, they love you, they support you. Because the munafiqeen repeatedly they would come and say, Amanna, Amanna, we believe, we believe. But today, look at them, they're siding with the enemy. Because the munafiqeen, they would come to the Muslims and they would say, we are with you. But every time the Muslims confronted the enemy, what would happen? The munafiqeen would side with the enemy. Either directly or indirectly. Indirectly, like for example at the battle of Uhud. What happened? 300 of them, they left. This was indirectly supporting the enemy. Likewise at the battle of Ahzab, weakening the spirits of the Muslims, discouraging them. Then likewise, at the occasion that I mentioned earlier, when the Prophet ﷺ was taking a decision against Banu Qaynuqar and other Jewish tribes, they were siding with them. So at this time, the Muslims were like, isn't it these people who said they're with you? Yesterday they were like, yeah, we're with you, we're your best friends, we're going to support you, we're going to do this, we're going to do that together. You know, you have my full support, I'm going to spend this much money, I'm going to support you in this way. And now look at them. What are they doing? They're opposing you, they're siding with the enemy. Allah says, حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ All their deeds are wasted. Whose deeds? Of the munafiqeen. Their deeds are useless. They are of no value. فَأَصْبَحُوا خَاسِرِينَ So they will become losers. Because a munafiq, like we have learned earlier, over and over again, he does not sacrifice for the deen. A munafiq is a selfish person. He just wants his own benefit. So wherever he sees benefit, he will rush towards that. If he sees benefits with the Muslims, he will go join them and support them. But if he sees benefit with the enemy, then he will go and join them and support them. He is not sincere to anybody but himself. He is not loyal to anybody but himself. So as a result, what happens? He deceives people. They even try to deceive Allah. But does it work at the end? Never. It never works because no one trusts them. 
No one likes deceitful people. No one likes them. So Allah says, all their deeds, they're wasted. فَأَصْبَحُوا خَاسِرِينَ So they will become losers. So they have become losers. And at this time, we need to question ourselves as well. That when is it that we side with the deen? When it's easy? When it's convenient? When everybody's doing it? Or when we feel that this is from Allah and this is something that we have to do, even if nobody's doing it? Let's listen to the recitation of Beauty Stand Up. Ya ayyuha al-lazina amanu la tattakhidu al-yahuda wal-nasara awliya ba'duhum awliya uba'd وَمَن يَتَوَلَّهُم مِّنكُمْ فَإِنَّهُ مِنْهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِي الْقَوْمَ الظَّالِمِينَ فَتَرَى الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِم مَّرَضٌ يُسَارِعُونَ فِيهِمْ يَقُولُونَ نَخْشَىٰ يَقُولُونَ نَخْشَىٰ أَن تُصِيبَنَا دَائِرَةٌ فَعَسَى اللَّهُ أَن يَأْتِيَ بِالْفَتْحِ أَوْ أَمْرٍ مِّنْ عِندِهِ فَيُصْبِحُوا فَيُصْبِحُوا عَلَىٰ مَا أَسَرُّوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ نَادِمِينَ وَيَقُولُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَهَؤُلَاءِ الَّذِينَ أَقْسَمُوا بِاللَّهِ جَهْدَ أَيْمَانِهِمْ إِنَّهُمْ لَمَعَكُمْ حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ فَأَصْبَحُوا خَاسِرِينَ These verses show that a munafiq is truly a coward person. Because he's afraid of the future, worried about the future. And he wants to ensure that he will be fine in the future. So for that reason, he compromises on his deen. He has no principles, no values, nothing at all. Because he's just afraid and worried about the future. A believer on the other hand is strong. He's courageous. And what is it that gives him that strength and courage? Tawakkul ala Allah. The trust upon Allah. Yaqeen on Allah. This realization that people are not providers. My boss is not my provider. Who is my provider? Allah is. So if there is a person who doesn't let me practice my deen, I don't need them. I don't have to rely upon them. I have to rely on Allah and He will give me what I need.